Space Watchers! This is Space Cafe Radio, your new Space Watch global channel, all about trends, people, and conferences. When our Space Watch team is on the road, we will talk with wonderful and inspiring people and we'll let you know all about the cool things they share with us. My name is Kira Monter. I'm the event coordinator in our Space Watch global team. Beginning of November this year, I was lucky enough to attend the Space Tech Expo in Bremen. If that wasn't exciting enough, I also had the great opportunity to talk with Mark Stokes and Dr. Thomas Clayson, the co-founders of MagDrive. We met at their stand on the second day of the conference. Hello, everyone. I am here at the Space Tech Expo in Bremen with Mark Stokes and Dr. Thomas Clayson from MagDrive. Welcome, guys, and thank you for agreeing to talk to me. First of all, just for everyone out there, I'd like to know, what is MagDrive? What does it do? So the MagDrive is the next generation of spacecraft propulsion. It is both a high-thrust and high-efficiency electric plasma system for small satellites. The industry constantly makes us trade-off between thrust and efficiency, and we are the first to develop a technology which eliminates that, which means that we can start doing the really exciting maneuvers operations in low Earth orbit, inclination changes, the kind of responsiveness that you get with a chemical thruster, but with the long lifetimes and specific impulse that you need for deployment and for station keeping that you find with electrostatic systems. Okay. And now I'm just curious, because this sounds really amazing, but where did this idea come from? How did you come up with this? Yeah, I thought of it in the bath, actually. True story. No, so I was initially looking at concepts for fusion rockets. Really cool ideas, but the problem is that fusion is a very hard topic that we have yet to master on Earth, and scaling that into a rocket is going to be a whole other engineering challenge. But there's a lot of interesting ways they're using to confine their plasma, which I thought might be applicable to more nearer-term technologies. So coupling that with a few of the techniques we use during our PhD with false plasma, I came to the conclusion that there was actually a new type of electric propulsion we can develop, which is able to enter that extremely high power, high thrust regime by taking advantage of an increase in plasma density and advances that we have in modern semiconductors. So we started really doing the maths on this. It, it works out. The issues are, are simply around, as Tom was saying, it's scale. Not only as first-time founders could we never afford this thing, but there would be in almost insurmountable engineering and scientific challenges to go along with it. The approach, therefore, was to identify the core competency, technologically speaking, which is this the detonation of a super hot, super dense plasma, confining it and generating the kind of thrust that the industry would be interested in at the right scale. So we scaled the whole idea down to a minimum viable product several times, to be honest, stripping away increasing layers of complexity right down to the system we're building now. One U CubeSat form factor, and it's not going to lie, it's still pretty complicated. But the having started from that, that much grander vision, the idea is to, after bringing this first MagDrive Nano to market, we want to build the next bigger MagDrive to target GSOs for cislunar activity and build our way all the way back up to that rocket gap. Okay, so big plans, which is really nice. But you were mentioning now with the scale and with also the funding, but were there other like barriers to entry that you noticed when trying to set up a company within the space sector? 
I think the biggest thing walking into the space sector without having worked in it before is that you need to build up a complete network of people that you know. Now, this is, as we've realized, valuable across academia, commerce, and technology. And it was really key for us in the early days to meet specific people in the industry who have a huge network themselves that we can then work with. So for us, organizations like the Satellite Applications Catapult and the ESA BIC were really advantageous for us because we, were, we came into their network of people who work with government, who know people in the industry. These people, and now are our advisors, they can tell us exactly what the industry is looking for. And they can tell us what they're looking for three, four, five years from now, which is the really crucial aspect as well. So building that network was honestly the hardest part, but the part which has also paid off the most. Founding a company, super easy. <laughs> Actually taking that idea, finding that first bit of money to help you put the time in. Because for a long time, we moonlighted this thing. We did a couple of nights a week, and it was only when we secured our first amount of funding, which was only possible because we'd been working in the space industry already, we'd made those connections, that we were able to go full-time. And from that, scale up, raise a larger amount of money from Founders Fund, 7% outsized, and that we were able to bring on a whole team of nine people. Yeah, I, in the UK in particular, like the space industry is actually very close-knit. And so getting to who's who and to network with those people was extremely useful. And I, I think Mark is absolutely right when he talks about getting those first bits of money and getting those first bits of credibility and working with companies initially was the key to where we are now. And the UK is really good at this, actually. We have a hell of a lot of very clever people and a lot of clever ideas. And there are a lot of organizations that help companies do those first couple of steps. So we were extremely, extremely lucky to be able to join the Westcott Incubator and then to join the European Space Agency Incubator and what was it the Entrepreneurs First program, which really put us on the directory we are now, helped skyrocket us, pun intended. More to come. Oh, that's really wonderful to hear. <laughs> also, it's great that there are a lot of platforms and a lot of networks out there that where it's possible to join in, especially as a starting company. But are there any really best practices or lessons learned that you would recommend for maybe other companies in a similar position? Definitely. Certainly looking for every kind of event that you can attend. We started attending events very much in person, uh, which was a huge help to us meeting, you know, our now advisors, Mike Curtis-Rouse and Dr. Chris Hobbs of the Satellite Applications Catapult, but also going to events where we met investors as well. I think it's important, therefore, to, you've got to be aware you're going to be provided with a lot of conflicting advice on how much your technology to build first and when to approach investors. There's got to be a middle ground and you do have to, a certain extent, decide what works for you as founders. We were encouraged on one side to not work on the technology at all, to use our natural charisma and, you know, and natural charm to just get money from investors. That seemed absolutely mad because who would want to talk to us with what was essentially a pipe dream? On the other hand, we were encouraged to just build it, which was fantastic advice, but very hard to do without money. So taking both advices together, you find that there's a catch-22, which you very gradually escape. But you can only find those escape points by talking to everybody, attending every event and taking every advice as something good, something you can actually action. Yeah. The crucial thing, I think we've all read the lean startup where they say, talk to your customer, talk to you, like literally every chapter can call, talk to your customers. 
Uh, but it's harder to do in practice, but it is an extremely valuable exercise because not only does it yield like those contacts in the industry, which could be advisors and, and future potential collaborators, but it tells you what you need to build, what you need to get to that next stage. And that was the absolutely crucial thing, I think, in those early days. This is very valuable advice. And thanks for sharing. And now I'm curious if you say you had this idea in the bath and it just it came to you and it really is something that you're here now. So it's really something that has a lot of potential and that has a lot of demand. But did you also, when you came up with this idea, recognize certain trends in the space sector that led to this or where you see this really fits in? When I first came up with the idea, like the idea was for this extremely high thrust electric propulsion system, which was very versatile. But it was that exercise where we talked to who our eventual customers will be. And we talked to people in the space industry where we were able to narrow down what aspects are people actually excited about. And that we weren't always quite on the mark. Some of the things which we thought people would be really excited about, they're like, yeah, we don't care. And that's how we arrived at where we are now. And we like started looking at, okay, people want this. How can we deliver that with the technology which we have, which we are developing now? Where are the, the high risk bits going to be? And those are the areas where we say, okay, yeah, we can't quite give that yet, but maybe on the next version. Great. And now, since you've grown quite a lot in a short period of time, I would be curious to see what were your most striking moments, either like the most shocking or the most gratifying moment within this journey of MagDrive? I think for me, there, there are certain milestones which, man, that's a tough question, actually, because you very rarely get a chance to relax, look back over a period of time and see any kind of improvement. It's amazing how much we've changed in just one year. I always thought there'd be like some sort of big kickoff moment. I right? know this is it. MagDrive is now kickoff. It, it wasn't quite like that. It, it was a gradual climb and just all started snowballing. And over the course of what has been effectively just one year, things have changed massively, but gradually within that. <laughs> I think probably it's moments which made me go, oh, we're a real company now. We got our first, we got our first VC funding with Entrepreneur First. I thought, oh, we're a real company now. Then we actually got our main body of seed funding from the extra investors. And I thought, okay, now we're a real company. Then we started expanding the team. Okay, maybe now we're a real company. Finally, we got our own lab space. And most importantly, we got t-shirts, which was the moment where I thought, okay, this is actually taking off. Now we're a real company. T-shirts are the most, t-shirts are the most important aspect to Mark, clearly. Yeah. T-shirts, merchandise, I'm actually a real sucker for that stuff. Well, luckily enough, we have enough merchandising on this expo, so everything to your heart's content. But now looking towards the future, where do you see MagDrive going in the next years? And also, how do you see this whole sector of like plasma thrusters developing as well? So there's a lot of things that companies want to do here. Companies here at the uh, Space Tech Expo, but also across the wider world, which at the moment you can't really do with existing propulsion solutions. We're talking about satellite servicing, orbital manufacturing, areas where you need to be able to very efficiently dock and rendezvous with multiple spacecraft. There really is not a good propulsion solution to that. In addition, the number of spacecraft going up is going to absolutely skyrocket. Elon Musk alone wants to put like 40,000 spacecraft. And I, I believe 100% that he is going to do that. But he's not the only person who wants to do that. There are many other credible people which want to put equal numbers of spacecraft up there. And so satellites are going to go from doing an avoidance maneuver maybe every year to doing one every single week. And with current solutions where you're using chemical systems, that's just not going to cut it. So the mag drive is not only going to enable new business model is, is going to become a necessity of satellite propulsion. And I think we have a chance to be the satellite propulsion system to be ubiquitous with the term. A satellite propulsion system is a complete mouthful. I better use MagDrive, really. So what's going to be really important for us at the very, when we first enter the market, is that we get the chance to show off. There's next to no differentiation in satellite propulsion right now. 
So we want to use what will be an initially limited manufacturing capability to partner with the right customers to do operations in very low Earth orbit, to do inclination changes of 15 degrees, to partner with companies who are themselves very exciting. We've been building those relationships over time, as well as through our advisors and through investors, so that when it comes to demonstrating that the mag drive is this next generation of spacecraft propulsion, we do it from a point of view of doing the things nobody else has been able to do whatsoever, which puts us perfectly in line to be the propulsion system of choice for entirely new business models and really to close in this entire new space age economy. At the moment, everyone, not many people are using metal propellant, which is where we're looking for. And it's been a very deliberate design choice on multiple levels. One aspect looking much further into the future is around asteroid mining. From that point of view, our propellant is in space. Everybody else's propellant is on Earth. Getting that to space for use is like building a train every time you leave the station. That is not sustainable and you can't build railroads into space with that. So you mentioned sustainability. Is that a key aspect of what you also want to focus on in the future of that sustainability aspects are key part of your company? Yeah, definitely. One of the key aspects of sustainability, which is often overlooked, is the issue of space debris. We've all heard of the Kessler syndrome of this chain reaction. I, I am of the opinion it's already begun. Now, the UK has rightfully said that this is a big issue. This is an issue we want to be world leaders on. And I think it's something which the mag drive can massively help to alleviate. We're going to have so many more objects in space. We're going to have to spend a lot more of our propellant and our Delta V on avoiding debris. And every spacecraft is going to have to deal with very rapidly at the end of its lifetime. And it's going to have to be careful. It's going to have to be careful when doing so, because with more objects going into space, that means there is a lot more traffic going both up and down to avoid. Additionally, on the sustainability angle, we're very keen to partner with companies doing orbital assembly, orbital manufacturing. It's the first step to moving heavy industry off Earth. It's the opportunity to build better quality electronics, better quality medical and optical devices in a less polluting way. And it's a much better way of guaranteeing that the returns we get as a civilization from space are spread as evenly as possible back on Earth. Right now, a lot of the advances that are made in space are being returned to the countries that put in the resources. So inevitably, that's the US, China, and smaller companies, sorry, smaller countries get left out of that return. But by maximizing orbital manufacturing and orbital assembly, those markets on Earth are ubiquitous. They're everywhere. So that's really the first stage of removing heavy industry from Earth, moving it to space, but also making sure all of those returns are spread as evenly as we can. So... Really focusing on space for all then as well. Since we are at the Space Tech Expo Bremen, I also want to ask what have been your key takeaways thus far, except for t-shirts, Lego and keychains, maybe the conversations you've had or the other exhibitions that you've seen. What have you noticed some certain trends or something that was quite interesting to you? Yeah, the thing which instantly struck me was just how enormous the Space Tech Expo is. The sheer breadth of companies here and the sheer number of companies which are very new that are now presenting here. It's extremely exciting and it's, it's really demonstrating that we are in a new space age where commercial space is here and there are many companies, both old ones like Airbus and Taz and so forth, but many new companies, including MacDrive, which are doing interesting things in space and have bold ambitions. And the cool thing for me has been to, to see how many companies work on what you think of such niche products. They work on very particular, say like, hermetic sealing on very small optics, for example. And yet there's a huge market for them, which starts to show you just how horizontal the space industry has become 
least of all in the last five, 10 years, and how horizontal it will continue to be, which is fantastic because it means that these small companies with these small ideas, small niches will continue to find a way and a place for them to bring that to market. And it's something we're excited about as well. As we get bigger and we scale, there'll be certain elements which are imperfect to vertically integrate into MagDrive. There are items which we know we're going to want to buy in because we're more concerned with efficiency and we're you know, more concerned with the cost. It's not an IP sensitive thing. So we want to go shopping for the best thing out there. From this expo, I can see that we are going to have no problem whatsoever finding those kind of companies who will have a great track record of working on Earth-based systems as well. And the reality, because the reality is of making something space qualified is, have you put it in space? And if you have, then it's immediately space qualified and you can go on using it with the standards that you've decided on. Very nice. Thank you so much for this answer. As a final question, I would just be curious, what is the key message you would like to leave the visitors of the Space Tech Expo with? What is the key message you would like to have spread at the end of the expo tomorrow? I'd say stay excited, tell everybody about it, come back next year and bring everybody, even if they don't know about the space industry in particular, bring them, get them to talk to people and they'll go away with their own ideas, with their own enthusiasm. And it filters back into everything, schools, politics, sociology. It all just goes back to areas which you don't normally think of as being important to space, but really are. They really are. And it's, because, and it's important that people see the progress that companies here make and how it relates back to their daily lives. Yeah, stakes added. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring your pets. I'm not really sure I have much to add to that, I guess. <laughs> it's very well said. <laughs> I was so privileged to speak with Thomas and Mark. What an inspiring space startup story. We wish MagDrive all the best and we'll be happy to cover their story further on Spacewatch Global. Thank you all very much for listening to our Space Cafe Radio today. If you have any remarks, ideas, complaints, or just want to say hi, write to us at radio at spacewatch.global. We look forward to hearing from you. I am Chiara, event coordinator at Spacewatch Global. And with that, I leave you for today. And don't forget, become a space watcher. Bye!